Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of B1 Bytes. Your host, Kian, is here with a very distinguished guest. We've got Brielle, ex-Business One president. Good to be with you. Hi, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Awesome. Excited to have you. Brielle, I reckon we'll get straight into it. Yeah, for any sure. Of, any of the listeners who aren't quite sure, tell us a bit about yourself. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a big question there. Um, well, uh, my name is Brielle, and I, I guess I came here because I'm in... Uh, the 2021 president of Business One. Um, and prior to that, I was a project leader for a year. So I was in Business One for a total of two years from 2020 to 2021. Um, and then alongside that, I am still a university student, kind of hanging along there, um, doing a Bachelor of Commerce in Finance and Economics. Pretty cool. We've got some B1 royalty, if you guys haven't noticed. <laughs> one, of the, one of the key figures who has helped bring this club to where it is now. I think we'll get straight into your experience with B1. Yeah. As you've alluded to, you have been the president, mm. but I'm sure you didn't start there. Mm. Tell us a bit about how that journey looked. Yeah. So I guess I'll take it from the beginning. Um, in first year, I was a part of two clubs that I really, really liked. Uh, one was a consulting club for social impact. The second club was a startup club. Um, and I really enjoyed both and I actually intended on staying on both. Um, but I guess I was considering how I could maybe dedicate more time into a joint passion of the two, um, and basically was very fortunate to stumble in an industry event and meet the outgoing president of Business One at the time. And, um, basically he really pointed me to Business One. I had no idea what Business One was because it was like, I think a year old at the time. I was like, what is this club? Um, but really fortunate to kind of was been presented with the opportunity um, that there was a position that I really wanted to be like opened up, which was essentially project leader, because it's very typical for a consulting club to not uh, open externally at a leadership position. Um, and so, um, you know, consulting for startups was kind of that perfect merge between the two clubs that I was interested in. So I kind of like just submitted my application for project leader, kind of hoping I would get in. Um, and then very fortunate that, like, I think it's a testament to how new the club is and how dynamic the club is that the way that I got into B1 was very unconventional and non-standard. Um, I essentially, so it was recruitment in semester one, March. So I submitted the application, but then I realized that I wouldn't actually be present at uni at all because I was in Vancouver doing a competition. Um, so I, was, I basically in 2020 and 2021, I was representing University of Melbourne in international case competitions, which is like business management competitions. And my competition was scheduled in the first and second week of March, which was business one interviews. And I was like, I've completely thrown my shot because I'm not just going to like not go to Canada. So, um, I was like freaking out and, um, I basically just DM'd the president the new president, I was like on Facebook, I was freaking out because I was like, this is so random. I'm this random girl that just DM'd her on Facebook. Um, I was like, hi, I'm so sorry to intrude, but like, I can I, is there a possible way that I could find out that I'm project leader before applications even close? Like, is there a way I can get this before uni even starts? And I was very fortunate that um, I did the interview the next day uh, and then got the position and that was me getting into B1. Some story. I yeah. mean, probably, probably quite a good introduction to the startup world. So yeah. you've, you've honestly seen B1 kind of almost start from nothing, you know, just an idea, a few mm. people coming together, 
with this concept of bringing social impact and consulting in the startup sphere, at least predominantly, mm. and making it into an organisation that now I think is 60-odd people, how did you see that journey progress? Um, go into more detail. How did Business One look like when you first joined it? And mm. What did it look like when you left? Yeah, so when I joined Business One, I don't know how many people there was. There was probably like 30, 40. Like it was still pretty big, but it was definitely new. Um, and I think I was fortunate that I came from two very established clubs, um, which I still hold in very high regard. Um, and I think like when you come from really established firms or like clubs, uh, you pick up things that you that like were kind of like, oh, that's just how it is there. Um, but it doesn't really click for a lot of new clubs. And I think it's an opportunity for you to like take what was really good and then refine it or like implement it or change it. And so like when I joined Business One, it was like a really cool opportunity because it almost was like a little bit of a startup in itself. Like you're, it's, you're so young that as a student, you're literally like your voice could create like a really big change. And so like when I joined as project leader, I didn't expect that the things I would recommend would be implemented. Um, but then they were just like good ideas. So like, I remember, um, like I was a project leader and we didn't have project briefs. Um, and that's a, that was a really big thing in my previous club. And I was like to, and actually when I was scoping my own project, I wrote a project brief for my team. Cause I was like, this just helps me understand how the project brief works and, and probably will help my team understand how the projects worked. And then like, I showed that to my like vice president and we liked that idea so much that that became a thing for all projects, that every project would have a project brief. Um, and like those types of things where you just have an idea, like there's a lot of times where I've said something so randomly. Um, one of the vice presidents at the time in 2020, uh, he really liked Excel, like modeling. And that's not something that's like taught regularly. I'm so bad at Excel. I think like the only function I know is like some. And um he's really good. And I was like, if you're so passionate about this, why don't you just do like an Excel modeling, like weekly catch up thing. Um, and that became a thing. Like, I think like, because it's just a community of students that are really passionate about what they want to do. And we're also in an environment where like, we just want to make an impact and we have the ability to do so because we don't have that red tape yet. Like we're not super established. We're growing and evolving. That means that all of our like little ideas can be implemented. And I think like, when I, I guess my like, uh, like, how does this say? Like this, my say, my slogan for presidency or like something that I really wanted to do for 2021 was like, how do I harness that and make B1 grow? Because I think at the time 2020, like we had this really cool unlocked potential, but we weren't really growing. Well, we were growing, but we weren't growing in like brand image and reputation and numbers and everything like that. So it was really more like my whole vision for 2021 or what I tried to implement was like, how can we grow in a sense that like my experience where I was able to implement a small idea and really benefit B1 and be incorporated, like that experience could be anyone in B1, like any small person that thought that they have a small idea, like they could really run with that. Um, so I think like that's probably how maybe hopefully B1 has grown to now a more like entrepreneurial and innovative culture. Brielle is someone who was lucky to step into B1 during your tenure and someone who's still part of it now. I, I do have to say that is a big part of the club. <laughs> it is pretty exciting. I mean, the projects, sorry, not the projects, the podcast team is mm. a very new team, but it was something, you know, the higher ups were very mm. keen and helpful and, um, you know, eager to assist with. And look, here we are now. So I think mm. that principle does prevail. Let's, let's 
track back a little bit before mm. that presidency. You said you stepped into a PL role. Yep. Give us a bit of a timeline, if you don't mind. You know, what yeah. was your first project? Where did you kind of, you know, mm. navigate between before you found yourself taking charge at B1? Yeah. Um, so I joined as a project leader and I joined uh, in a semester one project, which was an edu, or was it a health tech startup? Um, and that was a really cool experience because it was my first time in leadership at uni. Um, and yet from previous experiences, I like, I took what I liked and I took what I didn't like. And then I put, and hopefully put that into a leadership style. And it was really cool because I was able to like be in charge of people that were older than me, uh, and also like help dedicate. And, and like a, the people in my teams ended up being like, like, um, like a VP of like VPC was in my team and everything like that. So it was like really cool. Cause you have like people that are still in the club that, uh, were like from beginning of 2021. Um, but I was working in a health tech startup project and it was on strategy and we were creating strategic recommendations for customer retention. Um, and it was really interesting because that was a fully strategic project. Um, and it was really nice in getting like a full snippet into consulting, but also like it was very true strategy for a startup, which is not super huge for a lot of consulting clubs because um, I feel like when you're doing this like a consulting project for maybe a more established company, um, even in strategy, what you do is like it won't really make an impact or what you're doing isn't really like nitty gritty into the company. You're kind of doing some high level overview because they already have the like capability and the resources and the team um, to do their own thing. Um, and so this was a really good project to like really understand like what you have is what you're doing is actually going to make an impact for the company um and it was really cool to see like that they really took that on board and um i think that experience like got me really into consulting hopefully incentivized some of the consultants to also stay in consulting um and then i from that experience like i took what i really liked from leadership and then i think just like worked with it um and what i kind of took from it was letting people giving people greater accountability, like letting them run with their own things. I'm actually not that much of a micromanager. I don't really, like, it's just not my type of thing. Yeah. I think like people are going to make mistakes and if you can guide them in the right direction, you can, and, like that should be your kind of like responsibility to do. So when I think like SEM1 was um, really good because I really felt comfortable with the team of B1 and knew that I was in the right hands. And then SEM2 was kind of the same thing, doing a, another strategy project um, and kind of like really enjoying my role in project leader. Um, and I think like at the end of my project leader stint, I really loved projects, but I kind of felt like I had some ideas that I wanted to take on um, on the higher level. So I guess that's kind of what incentivized me to go to, to leadership. But I think it was really that idea that like, if you had an idea, you could run with it. And I think like that's something that I really felt when I was a project leader. Um, basically like Business One Olympics is a thing. And I don't know if it, I hope people that are listening to this know, but um, it's essentially like this day. I don't know if it's a multi-day thing now, uh, but it's like a event where a bunch of teams represent each other in like the Olympics. Um, and they battle it out. 
and then the best team wins. And you do like a lot of like team events, but back in the days, it wasn't glorious. It was like type racer and scribbly IO. Like it wasn't like running or anything. Um, but that was like a huge event. And in 2021, that became even bigger with like, it became a consulting Olympics, not even just be one, like every consulting club versing against each other's massive thing. Um, but consulting Olympics wasn't like an idea that me and a couple of PLs just randomly had in the middle of the night understanding that Tokyo was postponed in 2020 <laughs> and like it became a full-blown thing and that was just kind of the things that like you know if you take an idea you can run with it. and I think like you know that was kind of the B1 culture enabled um, a lot of people to create ideas and it kind of enabled me to feel like I could run for presidency. Pretty awesome and um, for any of those listening you might know B1 and Consulting Olympics actually is still quite a big thing. I think it is around the corner. It's around <laughs> mid-year. Is that correct? It usually takes yeah, place. Yeah, 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 it so is. Should be around the corner. So keep your eyes and ears posted. That is coming soon. It's really interesting you touch into that creative side of leadership and mm. the idea of leadership giving you the opportunity to explore and implement things. But I want to look at another side of leadership, and that is you said before stepping into your PL role, you'd never really experienced leadership. But once you'd had a taste of it, you really enjoyed it. How do you see leadership as, I know a lot of people kind of struggle to distinguish leadership between being a title and a verb, right? Or a practice, you know, leadership as as a privilege or a practice, maybe you might break it down into. That's a really good question. And I think that kind of encapsulates my presidency in 2021. I think I took presidency, what I perceive leadership to be as the privilege at the beginning. Um, and I guess one of the biggest things that I kind of ran with at the beginning was like, I'm president. This is a huge responsibility. This is a massive obligation for me. And like, I kind of, I think like maybe unwisely at the beginning of 2021 thought that if you got a leadership position, this is now like a commitment for you. Like this, like, why aren't you doing this? Because, you know, this is in your job description. You should be doing these things. And I think I took it more as like a privilege, like you have this privilege to have impact and you should make full use of that. But I think like through experience, it kind of, the privilege is definitely there, but I think privilege doesn't equal motivation. Privilege doesn't equal expectation and privilege certainly does not equal obligation for a lot of people. And I think like over the months, um, and like many experiences, I realize that it's more so what you do and how you motivate people. And people are motivated in very different ways. And I think, um, you know, like I'm, I'm not a good leader. Like I'm not 100% a great leader and I don't think anyone's a great leader. But I don't think I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> not everyone's 100% perfect. Everyone's still learning. But um, like you definitely can pick things up as you go. And I think like one big thing that I took with me was that you needed to have like, I need to have greater empathy and the importance of understanding that not everyone here is here for the, the, the same reasons as you. Not everyone perceives the same things the way that you perceive things and tackles a task the same way you would perceive a task. And I think like um, leadership is trying to unify everyone together to do a task, um, even though if they may be motivated by different things, um, if they may, you know, want something out of it that's different, um, how do you get them to like kind of champion the task and get really, really into it? 
um, in their own way. And I think like it becomes more of a what you do um, as opposed to a privilege. Yeah. Great answer, and thank you for taking a pretty jumping question <laughs> like the one I took. Oh, you've, good. Hopefully it might make you've, sense. You've so eloquently put it together. I've given you all these pieces, and so thank you. I think that shows um, why you were able to do as well as you did with the club. Let, I reckon let's step into that that presidency. So you did mm. have a year. It was 2021, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, and then that was your chance to take Business One, a club you were part of from pretty early on. Yeah. And although you, you said you were able to have a voice and leave a mark in some ways when you joined as a PL, mm. in this case, you were the president. So tell us mm. a bit about what that experience specifically was like in terms of 2021 and you know, how you enjoyed it and, and what you think you left behind. Um, gosh, I think I went into 2021 like with, I guess, just like kind of ambitions to really more so grow I think yeah like my slogan that I kept on saying but I don't think anyone remembered was like um on the map like be one on the map which is basically like no I do recall of course <laughs> be one on the map yeah it was essentially like how do we get because I knew like the value of be one or I felt the value like I felt like this was really a cool club like we have such a cool mission and value proposition we're so different to other clubs um but we, that's just like not conveyed um or it just doesn't translate a lot because um you know we just have we're new you know we're kind of the underdogs and we don't really have that reach and I think 2021 it was like how do we put B1 on the map um and for me that translated into bigger so was more things and I think um initially we kind of went a bit too full on, but we really like expanded. So um, like basically B1's whole publications branch, uh, which is publications and podcasts. Podcasts came a bit later, but publications was something that I put that I really wanted. And that was solely because I was, when I interned in the summer previously, I was part of publications. So I wrote like, I was, I was contributing to like thought leadership for one of like the big four accounting firms. Um, in the innovation space. So like, I was like, this is so cool. Why do we have this in V1? So, um, you know, that was just one of the ways that like, I thought that that would be a really cool way that we could kind of get more people to know about us. Um, and also like help maybe inform more people about the startup space and that there's other kind of ways you can get into consulting and other different career paths, except for, you know, the traditional investment banking and consulting, like you can go into startups and tech. Um, and so, like, I think bigger and better was definitely something that I wanted to take in 2021. Um, and then basically kind of we hit a turning point where in semester one we had grown really massive, but we realised that we had lost a bit of stuff along the way. And it was actually culture. Um, we realized that we had grown really massive and I kind of, we took like with the executive team at the time, we kind of like treated B1 a bit firm, like because of like our previous like work experience and what we were taking it. And we witnessed not alarmingly high, but just higher attrition levels than previously. Um, less people going to leadership positions because it was like now like a huge responsibility because you had a lot of accountability now because we were growing so massively and a lot of workload. We were dedicating a lot of hours into the club. And I think the second SEM was a step back and a more of a consolidation of what we had done. So in semester one, it was like this really huge buildup 
And then semester two, it was more like, you know what, we're really happy with our size now and we're going to spend more time going back to the fundamentals and really making sure that the culture is really great. And I think um, semester two was when we had a bit of an exec shuffle. We added two new exec members. Actually, we added, we actually added, so in SEM1, we had five execs, which was a president, a treasurer, secretary, a vice president of consulting, vice president of initiatives, um, operations. And then um, SEM2, we added one more of each edition. So we had six people in our executive team. So it was much bigger. Um, and like we tried to flatten the hierarchy, make sure it's a better culture, add more like culture things, <laughs> make it more fun. And like, I think like in SEM2, we really just tried to make sure that like this was a community that people um, wanted to stay in and have fun in. And like, I think like it hopefully ended up working because at the end of SEM, at the end of SEM2, we had alarmingly low attrition rates. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was like kind of this shift that happened within the year. Um, but I think we ended up targeting kind of the growth that I wanted. And then at the end, we were able to kind of target, like make sure that B1 became this really strong community um, that that kept its culture as it grew, basically. Yeah. No, amazing. And I, c I can um, vouch for that. I mean, I was lucky to join B1 halfway through last year, so it sounds like I got the better end of the stick <laughs> <laughs> in terms of culture. But no, I, I definitely experienced that myself. And funny enough, Business One, I think I've said this a few times, was the only club I ever mm. applied for, right? It was the only club I ever yeah. applied for because I was, I was keen on a good culture as a commerce student, and I know mm. you're a commerce student as well. These, these clubs can seem a bit firm, like, you know, the yeah. attrition levels are, you know, maybe a, a bit higher than mm. collaboration levels in some of these places. And I think B1 really, really has benefited from that priority of yours. So good on you. And, and also a shout out <laughs> to publications. That's how, I, that's how I got into B1. Shout out Catherine. She was an awesome director. Yeah. But publications, great idea. I didn't know that was your yeah. idea. So there you go. Uh, it was a great way to get into the club and a, a real strong team at the moment, I believe, mm. too, led by Jocelyn. Amazing. That's really cool to get that insight into your attitude towards the presidency. Mm. Um, another side of student life, we won't talk about academics because that's boring, yeah. but there is student, <laughs> student club involvement yeah. and obviously stepping into the workplace. Yeah. Now I'm aware as a president of a club, there's someone who loves their case comps. Consulting yes. and getting involved <laughs> is something you've always done. Tell yeah. us a bit about how that's looked like for you, getting involved in companies, Inter internships if you want, but if mm. not, just, you know, the companies you've dabbled in and the work you've done outside of B1 and maybe outside of uni? Yeah. Um, so when I joined Commerce, I had no idea what job opportunities were kind of there for me. I think I just, as soon as I got into Commerce in Melbourne, I was like, yes, I got a job. I don't know. I think that's like just... Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> but any like high schooler probably thinks is like, once I get this degree, like I'm set for life. I remember that was what I said. I was like, I'm set for life. Um, I learned like then realized that that's not the case, but it's this common rhetoric um, in commerce, especially in Melbourne. It's like, it's consulting or investment banking. I feel like that's what I kind of, maybe I was in this bubble, but that's definitely like the two things. And because I was in consulting clubs, um, in first year, I kind of was like, oh, I think consulting's for me. Um, and so I basically like um, decided to apply uh, for consulting firms. 
Um, Luckily, I actually enjoyed consulting. I think a lot of people have the... And I did have a crossroads where I was like, hmm, I don't know. I feel like this is just what everyone's telling me to do. Like, I don't know if I should actually do this. Um, But luckily, I kind of somewhat enjoyed consulting. Uh, Later, ended up much more enjoying it. Um, But the first kind of... um, But I guess because I was involved in startups and stuff, I still had that idea of like, I don't know if I really want to do consulting. Like I really enjoy like innovation and startups, like how do I get a merge? So in, um, at the end of first year and started second year, no, sorry, the end of second year when I started my internships, I did two. I did a strategy consulting internship or a management consulting internship. Um, and that was really good because um, that was basically consulting 101. I got into it and I realized that I really, really liked it um, and that I wanted to do consulting. Um, I also realized that I somewhat enjoyed the lifestyle when I was there. Like I know that consulting is quite like long hours and stuff, but I did like it because I enjoyed the work. And then the second internship that I did um, was uh, at Big Four doing, uh, as I said before, like kind of in the publications division. Um, I was working in the innovation team for a big four company where essentially um, what they do, which I don't know if this is common knowledge because I did, I actually didn't know when I until I got there. Um, it's basically that some of these companies, they make startups, they make ideas, they grow a startup, they grow ideas and then they sell it. Like that's another way that they create money. Um, so basically I was kind of in that division where like you're basically running mini hackathons all the time, trying to create ideas and then growing those ideas and then like, either selling it or trying to reincorporate that back into the business as a way that you could also like profit from that. Um, And then that I was also able to write in like thought leadership, which is kind of, as I said before, how it links back to B1 and publications. But um, that experience like really kind of still got me interested in like the startup space. Um, But it was obviously more in a corporate setting. So I was like, yeah, consulting is probably more for me. Um, And then I was pretty lucky that... um, at 2021, I kind of landed like a graduate offer for consulting. So that got me like kind of secure in a way that I was like, yay, like, okay, now it was like the big sigh of relief. Like it was the like, I'm set for life kind of thing. Cause you know, you've got employment at the end, but um, kind of, I reached kind of the end of 2021 and I had this whole summer and I, it's really weird to say this, but I kind of freaked out because I didn't have anything lined up, which is a really weird thing to say, right? Like people are like, you have a grad offer, like you don't need to do anything, you need to chill. But I think because I've been in this mindset for so long that I need to stack up things. Like I need to have things like lined up and, and everyone else had things. And I think commerce, the uni, like the uni commerce culture is great in its like ways, but it's also double-edged sword where people are always like, what do you have lined up for the summer? Where are you going for the summer? And you're like, um, unemployment. So like, basically I was kind of like stressed out all of a sudden. I was like, I don't have anything lined up. Um, and I started to get kind of like pedantic. I was like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, and I think that was a really cool opportunity Because it made me kind of go, what else do I want to do? Or like, what else do I want to try out? Because consulting had been on my mind for so long that I hadn't actually tried out other things. And um, 
basically I um, was fortunate enough to like apply for Starmate Student Fellowship and get that. And through that applied for a startup in a very different position or um, job description as consulting, which was as a product analyst. So yeah. I'm as an, doing analytics. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why they hired me because I had no qualifications, <laughs> but um, like very fortunate enough to have gotten the role of uh, analytics intern at the time. And um, basically they were really, really nice in um, guiding me through the process. And now I really love my role. Um, I started in with like basically no code experience wow. and basically the fundamental part of the role is you code. So um, I learned like SQL on the job um, and learned all these data tools. And that's kind of what I'm doing now as a product analyst. But I do think that even though I'll loop back to it, even though I said I don't know where they hired me, I think I have to I have to say this is a PSA that I will say to any listeners that are still listening is um, basically it is you should apply for job descriptions, even if you don't think you qualify. It is really important that you do. And I think statistically, you can quote me on this, but you can't quote a specific publication. Statistically, it is more likely for females to not apply for job descriptions if they do not match everything in the job description. It's more likely that um, a female, if they do not hit one criteria in the 10 list, they will not apply. But it's more likely for actually like a male to apply you can infer whatever you want from that. But basically the takeaway is that a lot of these people still get the job and they do a really good job in it and they didn't qualify for it initially, but they learned on the job and they did amazing things in it. And basically like I had the exact same position when I was applying for project product analyst because I knew I literally could not code. I had nothing. I had no product. I did not know what product was. I didn't have not worked for a startup before. And they very fortunate that Coltramp is like, all about diversity and empowerment and they had a section on that they were like we know that statistically women are less likely to apply so if you at least match one two three criterias please give it a shot and we'd be happy to submit your application see your application and that's exactly what I did and I remember I was so like self-conscious that I couldn't code that I even wrote in the comments I was like I know I can't code but please I would love this opportunity and I think like that kind of just shows, and, and like I'm now, I was an intern for three months and then, and then I was offered permanent employment and now I'm working as a product analyst while I finish up uni, um, that you can apply for anything regardless of if you don't really have those qualifications because if a company sees potential in you, they're going to take you on board. And that's where I am now, yes. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. Thank you for that. And I think that's really inspiring. I hope listeners really, really tune into that. I was going to dive into this, but you've almost already done it for me. If you want to elaborate, that'd be fine. But I think what you touched on in that, I think commerce culture broadly really sets out a template, sets out an image in people's head that to be an investment banker, I've got to be like this. To be a consultant, I've got to, you know, hit these checks and balances. And what people often forget is that we're human. We're not perfect. We're not robots. And that it's going to be hard to tick every box that such an arbitrary template will set out in front of you. Not least, it, it, it might be, as you've said, for women stepping into, you know, a corporate environment that has proven itself not to be the most friendly mm. at times. I'll, I'll ask you now, and you have touched into it quite awesomely just before, but if you want to elaborate, any specific advice you have for younger commerce students, people who are in the position you were 
a year or two ago, especially, you know, younger girls, if you want to touch into that, stepping into a pretty hostile environment like consulting, like banking, like commerce. Mm. What have you taken from the last one or two years on top of what you've already said that you'd love to, you know, get into the years of listeners? Um, for sure. I think three things, if I can remember three at the end. Yeah. Um, firstly, if you know that this is kind of the role for you, I would say like get into extracurricular early. Um, that's just a tick box. Like if you, if you really want the job, like go into extracurricular, but then that, now I'm going to move on. So, um, <laughs> that's just one thing that like people like love on their resumes and stuff, but Okay, now the, now the good things. Okay, so um, firstly, uh, for anyone, but also for largely females, um, be prepared with a people telling you that you can't do something. Um, I know that this is kind of like everyone says this, but sometimes like it, it really like someone needs to spell it out to you that you can only be your own cheerleader um, because some people just don't believe in you, not because they're like intentionally not believing you, just some people just don't have that expectation because they may not have met you yet. But then they just don't say it nicely. They just, they, they just can't say it nicely. But you will meet people that do underestimate you. Um, I'll give you a couple of examples. Yeah. So I remember in first year, um, I, well, I, I also didn't know this stuff, so maybe it was good that they didn't tell me. But basically, um, I had no idea what consulting was. And there was a um, scholarship application that was open for like the top consulting companies. And um, basically I was in this kind of group setting and this, it still resonates with me, but one person was talking about this and she asked the other person and kind of excluded me out of the conversation of this consulting scholarship application because I guess like it was kind of assumed that I don't even know what the company was and I wasn't going to apply because I didn't even know what it was. And obviously, like, yeah, I, I came from, like, a public school. I didn't know much about stuff. Um, and honestly, I didn't even know the company. I had to search it out when they are having that conversation. I was completely excluded, which was fine. But I was, like, searching up. I was like, what is McKinsey? I don't know what this is. Um, and, like, so basically, you know, like, that kind of is one thing. Like, you know, you'll have those really subtle nuances where like, you know, but you, you just have to be your own cheerleader and like submit that application yourself. I actually didn't. But like you should you should submit your application and you should like have a shot at things even so. And I think another thing was like, um, I guess more important or like more relevant was that um, with presidency, I had it in the back of my mind when I was at the end of um, Project Leader, but I didn't know I was actually going to submit an application. And I floated the idea of this with my then um, boyfriend at the time. Um, and I guess like, yeah, like TMI, probably not the best relationship. But like I kind of like really like took his advice. Like I really looked up to him and I really wanted to like, you know, make sure that it was all good. And I remember I floated the idea of presidency like very casually and I was met with like resistance. Like, wow oh, like, do you think you would be good at it? Wow. I don't know if you would be good. Yeah. And that really affected me. I was very, very distraught after that. Um, and I didn't know if I was good at it. Um, and, like, you will have those kind of situations where, like, people will, that are sometimes really close to you, maybe out of concern, will just say, like, maybe you just don't have it out, like, don't have it in you. And I think at those times you just got to push yourself 
Um, and if you have that kind of, and a good thing is like, if I didn't get this position, if I didn't apply, would I regret it? And I think like that's what you just got to do. Like you just got to be like, if I didn't have this position, would I regret it? Or I didn't apply, would I regret it? And then um, basically apply. And it took me the breakup for me to be like, yeah, like I'm going to apply anyway. <laughs> Screw this. Yeah. Um, but basically like you're, you're going to meet people that are going to tell you no and you just got to do it and it's going to pay off. If you don't get it, you don't get it. But if you didn't apply and didn't get it, that's when you kick yourself. And then um, I think the last one is this whole thing about checking boxes, right? I know this is going to be completely contradict the first one, which is extra, extracurricular. <laughs> but like in reality, you don't need all of these things to get where you want in the end. Um, I think like there's this huge like uh, rhetoric, maybe misconception that you need this, 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 and then you become this and then you get this. But in matter of fact, like I think that took me the job that I'm at now to realize that there are so many people that genuinely love their life, have a great work-life balance and are earning top dollar and did not graduate from a prestigious university, did not have presidency, project leader, anything. And they're still like living their best life. And that's just because they worked really hard and took up a challenge. And I think like, even if, you know, um, say like you didn't have this, but you really wanted to try for this, it's really just like, go for it. And if not, there's always other ways you can get there. Um, and like, I think that's a really huge thing that people don't know because mm -hmm. when I was interning um, at Coltramp, which is the place I'm at now, um, all the interns were like, we've never met anyone with an unconventional background before. Like, because it was a software engineering internship. I know I did, a, I, yeah, I know I'm not software engineering, but that was the internship cohort I was with. Yeah. Um, which shows you should just apply for anything and you might get it. But um, basically they were all like, everyone that I know has just was a software engineer their entire life. And then they did software engineering. And for me, I was like, yeah, everyone I know that's done Bachelor of Commerce, maybe they did law or something. And then they were in a consulting club and then they went to consulting. Um, and we ended up meeting basically the person that ran the internship cohort just got a bunch of employees in various leadership positions in the company that had all come from very different backgrounds. So we had like an academic that's now in software engineering, um, a, a law student that is now in software engineering, and they learned all this stuff on the job or they went back and they did like a huge career turn. And now they're like where they are now, but they definitely did not have that conventional path. And you realize that in like, in, in maybe three years, like that's a very like small microcosm of years. You're like, oh, you know, like now I'm never going to get there. But in the grand scheme of things, like not even a grand, like five years, 10 years, you'll get there. You'll definitely get there. And you may even get to like a better point in your life, a more fulfilled point in your life from taking those roundabouts. And you shouldn't like beat yourself up if you don't take those, you know, those tick box steps because you're going to get there and you're just going to get there in a maybe a more interesting way. Um, I'm also rambling right now. But another small thing is that I was talking to someone, um, one of my friends who took that tick box step way, um, did finance echo, did really well in it, got an internship in banking, did banking. And um, basically I was, now he's done a career change and I was talking to him about it. And he was basically just saying that like, 
you realize that when you join work, you, you're not that interesting. Like point blank, like you just haven't done a lot of things because you've just kind of ticked these boxes. And then like he's reevaluating like what makes me more interesting now. And I think that's a really cool takeaway. It's like, you know, um, whatever, like, you know, doing those roundabout things, doing like whatever's spontaneous or like what you're really passionate in, that's going to make you more interesting and more well-rounded and more fulfilled. And um, yes, you may not get like that, you know, position at the end. Um, in three years, but you may get there in five years and you also may know like two more languages and may have traveled to another country or you may have done this different position. Um, I think like basically where I'm getting at (laughs) is um, for the younger years, firstly, um, don't like be your own cheerleader. And the second thing is if you don't get what you wanted to do in the first place or you didn't get that position, it's perfectly fine and you can apply again Or maybe it's a sign that maybe there's another opportunity that awaits for you that is going to get you to another opportunity or maybe where you wanted um, and it's going to give you a more fulfilling, interesting life. Amazing. Some insights right there. (laughs) I hope you've all got your notepads and and pens out for that. But essentially you're saying involve yourself through the extracurriculars, back Mm -hmm. yourself where others might not Mm -hmm. and be yourself. Mm. If you want to succeed, there is the template, but you've really got to pursue what you want. Mm. I think those are some awesome insights. Um, Brielle, thank you so much for joining us today. I think among this chat, there have been some amazing takeaways that people can take from. Um, You've meant a lot to Business One. I mean, the club is still going and thriving, (laughs) thanks to, you know, many people, of course, many people, of course, but Mm. your your, um, contributions can't and shouldn't be sneezed at. So thank you again for everything. Thank you for joining us today. Anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Uh, no. Hope you have a good day, guys. And thank you for having me. Hopefully you got something out of this. I'm most certain we did. Again, thank you so much, Brielle. Thanks for tuning into Business One Bites or B1 Bites, if you will, for this episode. It's been an absolute pleasure and we are looking, we'll, we'll look forward to see you next time. Thanks very much.